welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. From the latest archery equipment and expert shooting advice to proven bowhunting tactics and the sport's biggest personalities, we've got you covered. Now, here's your host, Editor Christian Bird. All right, welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting, and as always, we're thrilled that you've taken some time to be with us today for a first-time guest on uh, Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, and kind of a kind of a cool and unusual reason for that. Uh, today's guest is a, a guy that has been a friend of mine for uh, quite a number of years uh, within the bow hunting community, but somebody that we never had on the show before because, quite frankly, he was the competition. And I say that, uh, you know, sort of with a smile on my face, a friendly competition, but a competition nonetheless, and that's Mr. Jace Bowserman from Colorado. Some of you guys are surely familiar with Jace and, and that name because he was for a number of years until just recently the editor of Bowhunting World magazine. Jace, welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. Oh, thanks, Christian, man. I'm, I'm super excited to, to be on, and thanks for having me. We're going to have a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely, man. And, uh, you know, uh, like I said in the intro, it's uh, you and I have known each other, certainly. I think we've been in, you know, at least two or three hunting camps probably over the last 10 years. And uh, I've always appreciated you, uh, certainly ha- have had a lot of respect for you uh, as, a, as a bow hunter and, and also some of the... Um, athletic uh, endeavors that you've undertaken. Jace, for those of you who don't know, is kind of a, a big uh, distance runner, and he's tackled some of these uh, ultra ultra marathons and, and backcountry races out west. So, yeah, you're kind of a renaissance man when it comes to the things you do in the outdoors, and and uh, I'm going to say that uh, bow hunting world's loss is Peterson's bow hunting's gain, because now, not only can I have you on on the podcast, but I've got you writing some articles for us, and uh, man, I just love to bring good people into the stable here at the magazine. Oh yeah, man, and I'm I'm thrilled to be to be doing some articles, and and especially you know this this one that we that we did for the June issue. I mean, being being so passionate about fitness and 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 hunting out west here, um, the two the two really go hand in hand, you know. And I've I've just really found that the more physically prepared you are. The, the more, I mean, it sharpens your mind mentally and it just makes the hunt, you know, people talk a lot about, well, it's going to make me more successful. Uh, well, possibly, you know, at the end of the day, it's that, it's that, uh, arrow and putting it in the right spot. That's going to make you more successful. But what I will say is it's going to give you, um, it's going to give you a much more enjoyable hunt. You know, um, you're not going to be just is physically fatigued. You're, you're not going to be exhausted in the mornings. You know, it's long days in the, in the Western woods and, and, uh, just being able to, to keep going and stay out there on the mountain and not, not be ready to bail and get back to town and that sort of thing. Um, it just boosts your, boosts your chances of an encounter. And then, you know, at the end of the day where you put that arrows, arrows up to you, but, uh, the, the physical fitness part is, is something I'm, I'm super passionate about. And, and uh, yeah, man, really just thrilled to be writing, writing um, some articles for for Peterson's bow hunting and and having known you for years and same deal, man. Just have respected respected you, respected how you carry yourself and and what you what you bring to the to the bow hunting industry, man. You're just always so positive and 
And I love that. I love positive people. Do you guys even call it the woods out west, Chase? That's what we always say here back east. It's like we're going to go in the woods. I mean, you you guys call it the wilderness, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. We do call it the wilderness because it's so vast. And, you know, I think that's something that intimidates a lot of people coming out west for, for the first time. I mean, there's, you know, there's so many bow hunters that, that dream of a western adventure and they, they get out here and it's like, Oh, the landscape just rolls for miles and you're looking at literally, you know, hundreds of thousands of acres of continuous public land, um, that that's connected. And it's, it's kind of like, man, where, where do I start and that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, that's where, uh, that's where the, that's what, what makes it an adventure, you know, um, you know, half of the adventure of a, of a Western Bowen is just, uh, just being out West, you know, and learning the landscape and, and learning how the critters, you know, use the topography and how they navigate terrain and, and just kind of their, kind of their haunts and habits, man. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's super, it's super challenging, but also super rewarding. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think I just laugh when I think about you and I think about me and if you like just put us next to each other and took a photo, uh, you know, what are you about? Six, two, six, three, Jace? <laughs> I'm six. I'm right at six one. I'm right at six one. Yeah. Okay. So Jace is six one, but honestly, you look like you're six two or six three because Jace weighs like I'm not gonna make you if you don't want to say how much, but I'm just guessing. Like <laughs> I laugh because I look at you and I'm like, so Jace is six one and he weighs like I don't know a hundred and sixty five pounds, soaking wet with all his clothes on. You know, he's just one that, of those guys. That would be right. Oh my gosh! So I'm a pretty good guesser, and literally, so you like you are a good guesser. Jace is one of these guys where it's like you don't want to be behind him on the trail because I just know, like, like let's say I just went out and elk hunted with you, I'd be like, dude, can you give give a give a buddy a minute here? You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> I am like an eastern guy, and, and definitely you know, whitetail hunting is my thing, and and I look like man, I look like a guy who's built for whitetail hunting, and Jace looks like a guy who's built for chasing mule deer and elk and running around in the mountains. So I don't know. I think God knew what he was doing when he planted us on this earth and uh i just anyways that's just a little aside you know what i want to start out talking about a little bit today jace is turkey hunting because you know first of all i know that you actually were part of a really cool adventure i think just earlier this week but also i mean that bird that you shot i can't tell you that was probably like the 20th or more than that photos that I've seen already this spring of people with their birds with snow all over the ground and yes. man I tell you what I hate turkey hunting with snow on the ground but there is a lot of snow still on the ground uh, throughout the Midwest and the West right now so um, I guess that's just the fact of life for a lot of folks this turkey season but why don't you tell tell us about this turkey hunt that you and uh, your buddy and my buddy Danny did the other the other day and um, I think there's probably, you know, a good story there and maybe a few things that we can learn, too, with turkey season upon us. Oh, yeah, man, absolutely. You know, Danny, Danny's been a good friend of mine for, for years. And, and just like you and I, we, we'd shared several hunting camps together over the years, but we'd actually never hunted together, you know. And, and he lives about an hour and a half um, north of me. 
And, and, and we just started chatting and he's like, man, just, just come up for the weekend and hunt up here. You know, I usually hunt birds, uh, down here in my little Southeast corner. And he's like, no, come up, come up. So we went up there and, uh, the cool thing was, you know, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to, to, to hunt my bird up in kind of a mountainous landscape. And, and that's the benefit of being up there. And yeah, and just cool and just to interrupt that. you for those who don't know, so Danny's over in Colorado Springs area, so he's right on the front yep. range, and and you know basically you got the mountains right at your doorstep there. Yeah, exactly, and uh, you know at this time of year, the cool thing is um, those birds, those those birds will actually follow the snow line. So that's that's a tip for somebody you know hunting in those places um, along along the front range range or any of any mountainous region birds will follow that snow line as it, as it begins to, as it begins to, to melt. And the reason they want to be there is because that's where the freshest shoots of the green grass are going to be. That's where your first bug life's going to be. And, um, Danny had found one of those spots. He'd found a big strut zone, um, right on the, below a ridge of ponderosa pines and, and mountain birds love to roost in ponderosa pines. If you find ponderosa pines running up a ridge that give way to, to, to openings where birds, you know, can get out there and strut and make themselves visible. You know, you, there's a good chance you're going to find some mountain birds. Um, and so Danny had found such a spot and, and got there and had trail cam photos and, and everything. And then of course, lo and behold, night before, I mean, it came in and just flat snowed hard. And so, you know, we, we didn't know, we didn't know what it was going to look like in the morning. We didn't know how everything was going to go, but, uh, you know, we were going to go. So we, uh, we so rolled up were, there plenty early. What were the temperatures like that morning? 17 degrees. Oh 13. yeah. I mean, feels, I mean, nothing feels like Turkey hunting to me, like a good 17 degree <laughs> morning with some fresh powder. Yeah, just, <laughs> oh gosh. And that's what we said as we were driving in there. We were like, Oh, I got out to open a gate. I mean, it was just frigid. And Danny's like, I hate hunting turkeys in this type of weather, you know, but that's one thing I know that I found out West too, is like, you know, we dream. I mean, I look out my window right now and it's 65 degrees and gorgeous. And those are the days we dream of, right. To hunt turkeys. It's, it's not a breath of wind and it's just beautiful outside, but we, you know, we don't get those days a lot. So, you know, turkeys are still going to be out there being turkeys. And so I found if you just get out, put your time in, you know, that's going to boost your odds of odds of success. And so, yeah, we, we got up there and, and, uh, and set up, we, we, we put a Primos, uh, surround view 360. And I got to tell you, dude, that thing, if you haven't hunted out of it, that was my first experience using it for turkeys. Oh my gosh. Those things. Yeah. Those blinds it's are amazing. So fun. so fun. So fun. I mean, it was I mean, why don't you, before you go on, I mean, go, okay. I mean, we brought it up. So people are curious now, just take, take 30 seconds and explain to people what this thing is before you go on with the rest of your hunt, this Primos yeah, surround so view. So it's a, so it's just a, it's a standard Primos double bowl, you know, same inner dimensions, everything like that. Same large window opening that's on the strap that you can adjust up or down, but it's, it's 360 degree visibility. So the best way to describe it is it's like, if you were in, looking into a police lineup, right. And you were going to trying to identify somebody and you can see them, but they can't see you. And that's what, that's what they've done with this material. And it is freaky. The first time when those birds started coming in like Danny and I both were like ducking down because you just feel so exposed. But I mean, you know, we put the, we, we moved the blind up against a big 
big pine. And then they do include like a little black um, tarp deal that, that you can put up in the back to just kind of, to kind of, you know, add a, a little sense of um, security there. But I mean, I don't even think you'd need that. These birds paid it no mind. It was oh, I love it. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you can't see into those things, but I, I no. understand what you're saying. Because when you're in there, it's like one-way fabric. So you're literally looking out through the blind, which is awesome because, you know, you and I have both done a fair amount of hunting in blinds for everything from turkeys to, you know, deer, uh, hogs, whatever, you know. Yeah. And you know what it's like constantly having to, like, you know, turn around and, like, you know, you get your back all crinked up and you're trying to like crane your neck and, and pull down the little corner of the window on the other side of the blind to peek out there and hope that nothing sees you doing that. And, you know, this this fabric eliminates the need to really move around in there or do anything. I mean, you can just pivot your head and swivel, you know, your neck and, and it's amazing what you can see so fun man and it just it just changes it adds a whole other level of excitement because of the visibility you know um so that that made it super fun um yeah but once once we got all settled in and everything i mean it was it was 13 degrees with the wind chill and those that we were certain there was at least three toms and they were they were thundering pretty good on the roost um we didn't we didn't hear the hens um and being that we had a pretty solid idea of their, of their travel pattern, one of the things that we decided to do was we're, we didn't, I didn't even so much as tree yelp at them um, when they were on the roost. Uh, I, I never heard a hen yelp or, or, or anything. So we just let the birds gobble, you know, they pitched, they pitched down. And once we were certain they were on the ground, we still, we still didn't call. Um, we wanted to wait until we heard the first hen get vocal. And, you know, after about 15 minutes, you know, those birds don't fly down, you know, scratch around the roost for a little while. And a, and a hen, a hen yelped real soft and real subtle. And so I went right back at her real soft and real subtle. I didn't overpower. I didn't get aggressive. And she answered. And as soon as she answered, a Tom, a, a Tom gobbled. And from then, um, <laughs> it was pretty much just a back and forth deal until, uh, Till three toms broke off of the group and uh, watching them come across that, that snow, the landscape. Oh my gosh. It was awesome. How, they far, came right so in. How, how far away could you see them from like, how far did you watch them come? Um, I like to watch the video back, but I'd say it's probably 50, a good 50 or 60 yards, you know, where we could actually see them pop out into the, into the opening. And as soon as they popped out into the opening, um, all three of them blew up into strut and uh now did you guys have light. you got did you guys have decoys out what did you have yeah i had uh i had dave smith decoys out and i had an avnx and one of my favorite decoy spreads i call it a little love triangle is i use uh dave smith's three-quarter strut jake and then i use an avnx uh lay down hen and then off to the side i'll usually put like a just a just a standing hen that's a that's also a dave smith decoy but Typically, when those birds see that that three quarter strut, strut Jake over the lay down hen, I mean it just it just triggers it just triggers something in them. And I like to go for me. I'm just not a full strut decoy guy. I like to go with with the Jake. Um, 
for the simple reason of it just seems to me that a lot of times a, a lone tom will will see that strutter and decide, you know, I don't think I'm going to quite commit to that. I don't think I'm going to quite do that. Um, and that, that, that Jake, that Jake overlay downhand combo just works awesome. And then I always try to leave a little bit of space between the, between the Jake and the lay down hand. Cause a lot of times that Tom will want to strut right between them and, and turn and so, face that Jake. And that's going to give you a good shot. Now, now our listeners are, are precise people, Jake, and they, that's, they want to know how much space is a little bit. Okay. Yep. So I, I, I usually go about, mm, about three feet, you know, two and a half to three feet. I found that works really well. Cause I give that bird it that, that Jake's close enough to the hen, um, where, where he looks like he's in a position to get ready to breed her. She's in a lay down, but there's enough space in there for that Tom to slide in front. Gotcha. So you're going to give that, that Tom a chance to be like, Hey, I'm going to slide in there and take what's rightfully mine. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, all three of them, all three of them did, and uh, I just picked the biggest one of the bunch, and you know, hammered him good, and and uh, did they come really in there with? Were they beating on that Jake too, or? You know, they didn't. Um, the first bird I shot, um, I actually had two tags in Colorado this year because I was able to get a ranching for wildlife tag, and I killed a bird earlier in April, and he he came in and just whipped the Jake. I mean, he karate kicked it, spurred it, spun it sideways. These three, they never dropped strut. They never got nervous, but he just kind of bumped up. The big bird just kind of bumped up against him with his chest. And then he just kind of slithered around the backside of him. And as soon as he did that, I, uh, I decided to go ahead and let him have it. But no, I was, I was kind of surprised that the that the three of them, it might've been the, might've been the frigid 13 degree temperatures that might've kept their aggression down a little bit, but I don't, I don't know. It was, it was awesome though. And so this bird that you ended up shooting, he was, he was pretty much a boss Tom, wasn't he? Oh yeah. He was definitely a three-year-old bird and ended up having, um, good, good size spurs. And then he was, he had a triple beard as well, which was awesome. Three, three separate beards. And I wasn't expecting that when I walked up on him, but yeah, Danny and I were both super, super pumped about that. And, uh, so why don't you talk a little bit about, um, I assume the shot was probably pretty close, right? Yeah. And that's one of the things, you know, for, for guys bow hunting turkeys that, that I really, you know, you don't have to put those decoys out there. You know, I don't like my decoys any farther than 12 or 13 yards. And the reason I like that is, is one, it, it, it adds an element of excitement to the hunt. You know, I mean, I want those birds close. And then two, you know, with, with, with vitals about the size of a baseball, you don't have a lot of room for air. And so I like them. I'll take them the closer, the closer, the better. So the, on this hunt, the way, the way the, the meadow kind of laid, I put them right at nine yards. And so it's, you know, it's a nine yard shot. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I like to keep those decoys nice and close. And, uh, as far as shooting turkeys with your bow, is there a particular broadhead that you prefer for that? You know what? Yeah, absolutely. This is one, one time, you know, and, and, and being a, being a Western hunter and hunting a lot of big boned animals, I, I do like a, a, a fixed blade broadhead, but for turkeys, I would highly recommend everybody staying away from fixed blade broadheads. Um, you know, you're, you're dealing with a bird that that's not super heavy boned. 
you know, you're, you're not punching through, um, hide and bone. I know their feathers. Yep. They're, they're super tough. I've, I've seen a lot of arrows stopping them, but a large cutting expandable, not only does it help give you some margin for air, but man, it just, it just does a number on them. Those birds can't take a, a, a hole. And one of my favorites is, um, G5's, uh, dead meat actually is one of my favorites. It flies really good. Uh, three, three, three blade cuts. Um, and then this bird I shot with a rage extreme and that one probably of all the Turkey broadheads I've ever shot is my absolute favorite. It those just, those, those oh, rage yeah. extremes are bad medicine. Uh, oh, my, oh. my it's, son it's, shot a, <laughs> I'll tell you what, they're devastating on whitetails uh and and pronghorn and bear those are good heads for black bear too <laughs> really um, cool. oh yeah yeah for sure like if you're especially if you you know if you're spot and stock i don't like using um mechanical broadheads so much on spot and stock hunts because of course sometimes you know i've had it happen um when you're getting ready for a shot and then you look down at the end of your arrow and you know, like one of your blades has gotten caught on a piece of brush. And so you, you you've got to, yeah. Yeah. And you got to try and figure out how to get your broadhead closed again before you shoot. But if you're hunting like a, on a baited bear hunt where you're just on stand and you're going to have a pretty controlled shooting environment there, you know, 15 or 20 yards to the barrel, those rage extremes. Right. Oh my gosh. Cause they open up such a gaping hole um it's unbelievable it, how, yeah. how they do it it just yep. that's quite a design they have <laughs> and, and that actually that g5 dead meat is a great head too i killed actually killed the biggest deer i've ever killed in my life a couple years ago uh out in kansas with that head and uh that buck only went about 50 60 yards and and i was pretty impressed with that head as well and i like those guys at g5 i mean that's they're a cool company you know i I like g5 i like the engineering background that those guys all have and when they when they build something you know they don't just they don't build something for the sake of building it they have a pretty good thought process behind everything they do over there and i love their their prime bows are are pretty sweet too and actually i think that's what you killed this bird with wasn't it it is, yeah. I actually shot. Um, I actually shot my first bird here in Colorado with the Logic CT5, which is, you know, it's a 35-inch axle-to-axle bow. And then for this hunt, um, I took the Logic CT3, and I just wanted to play with the different bows. And and uh, man, they, you're exactly right. I mean, their engineering is precise. I mean, when when uh, when Nate Gray sits down and starts designing something, it's. Uh, he has so much passion and put so much energy into it. I remember a few years ago listening listening to to Nate um, and Matt at the at the ATA show, and they were actually talking. You were probably in the room. They were talking about the dead meat broadhead, and they passed around that big big kind of uh, yeah, the big plastic the big that, yeah, plastic model. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But Nate, man, he was captivating to me because I'm like this guy. I mean, he was so, you remember, he was just so stoked about that head and then having the ballistic match point where guys could, you know, where where the ballistics of that point perfectly mirrored the actual three-blade head. So, you know, they include one of those in the pack. And I found, I mean, I've tested that broadhead out to 120, 130 yards, and it is is absolutely spot on. That BMP will hit exactly where your three-blade dead meat will. You know, so those guys have a lot going on over there and they're, they're, they are, they're great people and they just produce, they produce really, really good products. And those bows, man, they, they are, they are engineered for accuracy. There is no question. 
Yeah, I actually really liked the uh, the original Logic, and then I've got the CT3, and I haven't even finished setting it up yet. And uh, but I'm I'm going to for sure. But uh, yeah, even last year the original Logic, I love that bow, and. Um, uh, Matt is actually coming hunting with me. We've been talking for a few years about trying to get together for a hunt, and I convinced him to come out to Kansas with me in December. We're going to do a late season bow hunt out in central Kansas this year. So, assuming we draw the tags, which which we should, so I'm looking forward to that, and I'll, I'll for sure be shooting the CT3. You know, I, I looked at that CT5, but I decided since the bow is actually taller than I am, I just stick with the CT3, Jace. <laughs> Um, so let's continue on with the turkey hunting story, uh, because after you killed this bird, and obviously that was a, that's a pretty good start to the day. And from the sounds of it, I can't imagine you guys were actually in the blind all that long, right? You know, we weren't, man. We were done. It was, we, we literally, I looked at our watch, you know, when, when legal shooting light had arrived, cause I always like to keep, you know, that's just kind of my OCD nature. I, anybody that knows me is like. Oh gosh, here goes Jace again. But everything's always on my watch because whether I'm running or I'm always keeping time on stuff. And um, we were in the blind 47 minutes, and that was you know it was actually it was kind of a letdown, minutes. wasn't it? Because you had a 45 minutes yeah. kind of goal. It, yeah, right. We were just under it, <laughs> and, and it was funny because we were sitting there and Danny's filming, and I can just feel like. I can feel him moving and I look over and he's just shivering. I mean, he was just shaking and he's like, I want birds or I want sunshine. <laughs> and about that time when the, when the birds popped into view, but um, yeah. And then, so our actual, our plan was, you know, I wanted to, to do the traditional. And when I say traditional, I mean, ground blind approach. I wanted to use, I wanted to utilize that, that, um, that 360 that surround you blind. I want to do the decoys, you know, dressed in black in the back of the blind, the whole nine yards up there. And Danny had a whole other vision in mind for his hunt. He actually wanted to do, um, his outside of the blind with a tool. Uh, it's actually a bow mounted decoy from ultimate predator gear. It's called the stalker decoy. And it, it actually mounts to the riser of the bow. It's a really unique design. And he wanted to try and, do that and me film that one. So we knew we hadn't bothered any of those other birds. And that's a great thing about bow hunting turkeys. I mean, his buddies had no idea what happened. There were still four or five birds gobbling off in the distance when we left. So the plan was to go back there that night, you know, set up in the same general area. Cause they'll use that same ridge line to go back to, to roost. And, uh, so we, uh, we got out of there real quick, you know, shot some video, shot some photos, bailed out of there and we got back to Danny's house and we were charging cameras and having breakfast. And, you know, I'm just kind of sitting there staring around and, and, and Danny goes, do you, you want to take a nap or do you, do you want to go look at this other property? It's down off the mountain and out in the plains. And I was like, yeah, I want to go look at that. I don't want to take a nap. <laughs> so we loaded everything up, jumped in the truck and drove about 30 minutes. By the time we got over there, you know, it was, about 10 o'clock in the afternoon. And, and that's one of my favorite times to hunt turkeys, especially, I mean, it can be tough, but you know, those hens will start to break off and the gobblers are wondering, um, are wandering around, you know, looking. And we, we pulled up, um, and we're glassing out on this property, totally different landscape too, from where we were, man. I mean, we were talking, we were up 
literally in the Ponderosa Pines, in the mountains. And now we're on a big sage flat in a, in a, in a Cottonwood Creek bottom. And I was glassing and I looked down and I said, Danny, I said, there's a lone Tom right there. And he, he lifted his glass and he said, well, I see two more. So we saw three Toms and we didn't get real excited. We just kind of hung back. We wanted to see what they were going to do. We wanted to watch and see if they had hens. And once we were fairly certain they didn't have hens, we, we bailed all the way around the property, came in the backside, dropped in a big drainage. And I actually set up in the ground blind, 60 yards, 70 yards away from where Danny was going to be. Danny had a GoPro mounted on his, on his bow with the stalker decoy. I was sitting back filming it all. And he got up on that sage flat and got where he could just show the top of that fan. I started calling and within minutes, those birds, I heard Danny cause I was listening to him through the audio on the headphones. He's like 12 o'clock here they come. And I'm trying to find him with the camera. And then all of a sudden here come two redheads. And I mean, they literally, re- Danny shot that bird at five yards. I didn't think he was going to shoot him. I was like, well, why aren't you drawing? Cause me, I'd have been drawn on that 20 yards, but he has this goal to shoot one with, uh, without the, uh, with the broadhead going into the bird with the knock still on the string. And so he was really trying to pull, pull that off, but he didn't quite get that done, but he shot him at five yards. And, you know, Danny, I mean, he's a flamboyant guy anyway, but he's killed a lot of stuff. And I'm, of course, listening to it on the headphones. And we got it off. He flipped out. I mean, because it was a added a whole new way and element of, of, of the turkey hunting what was cool is within, you know, a half a day's time, we took two birds using two completely different methods of, of, of bow hunting in two completely different environments, which, I mean, we learned a lot as well. And so that was just, uh, that was a cool feeling. Yeah, it sounds like uh, <clears throat> kind of a, a one-of-a-kind day. I mean, I don't know how often even two good experienced hunters will be able to pull that off in, you know, a few hours time. It's just, um, you, you caught, you know, you, you did everything right and you, you caught the right day and the right birds and the right place. And man, it's exciting when it all comes together like that. Oh, it was. And we were, we were thrilled. You know, Danny called his wife on the way, on the way back to town. And, and of course, you know, Danny, he tells Lisa, he's like, yep, we're done. You know why? We're the best turkey hunter in the world. <laughs> yeah. Of course, you can hear Lisa on the other end of the phone. Oh my gosh, I gotta listen to this now. Yeah, we, we, we had a good time. It was it was a good time hanging out and uh, fun fun day of turkey hunting, man. Well, the truth the truth of turkey hunting, it in large degree, you know, it's funny. I know that uh, you know you saw some pictures. I had my. My younger boy, who's 13, out in Ohio last weekend for the for the youth weekend yeah. out there, and you know we, um, of course, he was hunting with a shotgun. But Saturday was a beautiful day, and we had some birds gobbling uh, right on the roost first thing. You know, several birds, and we could hear there were some hens too. So they were, you know, they were with hens, and those birds hit the ground and shut up which is not uncommon at all and it was just like over you know with those birds right but right but you know we had some really good farms to hunt out there and so we ended up spending all day outside and we walked over 10 miles on three different farms and we might have heard four 
or five gobbles all day. And we didn't actually see a gobbler until late in the afternoon. It was several hundred yards away. I mean, it was a beautiful day. We had a great time. And you would have just thought it was one of those ideal days like you had talked about earlier. This is the kind of day that you're going to kill birds left and right. And it was just like right. nobody nobody wanted to play. I don't think that, you know, for, I mean, I'm not the world's greatest turkey hunter, but, you know, Matt, Matt Moret, I don't know if he could have killed a bird, you know, yeah. uh, that day. Yeah, I know that. And, and, and then the next day, so Sunday... There is all this weather moving in, and like Sunday is supposed to be an absolute soaker. And my buddy right. and I are looking at the forecast the night before, and we're like, hmm, you know, it might not be raining right at sunrise by, by like seven or eight o'clock. It's probably going to be pretty nasty, and it's just not going to be a fun day to be outside. You know, like if we don't make something happen quick, it's not going to happen. And we go out right. to the same exact farm where we started on Saturday morning and park the truck and we're just standing out in, in a field listening and we hear some birds gobble and it's an overcast morning. I mean, the sun is starting to come up, but it's one of those gray mornings where it's like, it almost feels like it might never even really get light out kind of days. And yeah. uh, we're, there's, there's a a stand of pines along the field edge and my buddy's like let's just let's just hustle over there and get set up and we go over there and sit down and um sounds like there's a couple of jakes and a gobbler in there and um he calls a couple times these jakes pitch down out of the pines right into the field and they stand there and they're looking down over towards us and you can tell they're interested you know these two jakes think hey man we're gonna get over there and get this hen you know before uh, right. this Tom can get over here and we didn't even have any decoys out or anything well here the wind is right at our back you know and this is something you hear people talk about there's a deer over there in the field and this deer wins us and she starts snorting and she flicks her <laughs> tail up and she takes off and she runs right past these turkeys and she's heading for the woods on the did. far these turkeys turn and start running behind this deer and I'm like oh good lord I said to my son I'm like that's it it's over you know we're busted and the deer hits the wood line disappears and i'm i'm still telling like i can't believe that happened i can't believe blah 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 and my son says dad the turkeys are still there here these two jakes get to the edge of the woods and they stop and they turn around and they look back it was like lot's wife from the bible you know (laughs) they looked back and i'm like oh my gosh they want so badly (laughs) (laughs) so so anyway my buddy starts calling again and don't you know these birds start making their way and over the course of about the next 10 minutes they just slowly made their way in our direction they actually got past they were a little too far to shoot when they got in front of how my boy timmy had set up and and they got off to our left like up above us in the field and i was like don't move yet don't move just wait and let them let them keep coming i said you're gonna end up having to move but we've got it when you move you're gonna have to be ready to shoot pretty quick so they they got to a they got off to our left and I said, I told him, I said, just take the safety off. And I said, you're going to have to swing and, and make the shot. And he, when he turned, you know how the birds do when they catch the movement. They they look and they start taking a few quick steps. And my buddy hit him with a, with oh, a yeah. call right then and, and stopped him, you know, and boom, and it was over. And I mean, we were probably out of the truck 
30 minutes and the hunt was over, you know, and it, it literally, yeah. as these birds came in, it started sprinkling. And by the time we took a few pictures and, and headed out of there, I mean, the rain was coming down pretty good. So it was like, we pulled it off, you know, and we were, we were tickled. But my son said, he was like, you know, something about how, um, you know, we had, we had walked, hunted so hard the day before and then and then here on this day it was over so quick and it was like easy you know and and i told right. him i was like in my experience buddy i'm like that's pretty much turkey hunting i'm like there's really good turkey hunting <laughs> and there's really bad turkey hunting and i don't know that i can tell you that i've had a very much mediocre turkey hunting in my life i would i would totally agree with that i would totally agree with that i I've, I've either had I've both ways. I mean, very rarely do you get just kind of a, an average, an average day, you know, I mean, it seems like they're cranking or they're not, but I will tell you this, man, kudos to you guys, because one, nothing's better than getting kids, kids out there. I mean, we, we have to focus on that. I really feel right now in, in this era that we're in where we're losing recruitment, not as many kids are being, you know, brought up in the outdoors, not, not, not as many kids are being raised in rural environments. And even some of the ones that aren't being exposed, you know, we, we got to do our part. Um, and then kudos to you guys, because I'll tell you what, man, those Eastern birds, they're tough. I, I, I am going to tell, I'm, I'm, I'm as a Western guy, I'm going to flat out say, as <laughs> some, Oh no, those birds aren't any tougher than <laughs> I went to Georgia this year and I got my butt handed to me. I mean, these birds worked me over, and I was like, I'm ready to go home and kill a kill a Rio or a Miriam. <laughs> it is just different. You know, Ferris is one of those guys, our buddy Danny. He's one of those guys that always likes to give us a hard time. You know, oh, he'll say, I know, I know, You those eastern birds have their Ph.D. And we're like, well, you come on out. You get on the plane and come right here to Pennsylvania. Same for you, Jace. You know, you want to come here to Pennsylvania anytime. You know, come on out, and we'll go chase birds. But it's just different. You know, I don't know. I don't it know exactly what it is. I don't know that it's that our birds are actually, you know, inherently more intelligent than your birds. I just think the terrain is so different. Um, yep. You know, there's so much more thick cover here, and you can literally, you know, like out where you live, you're on the, you actually live in the the prairie part of Colorado. You know, what are the odds yeah. of what are the odds of getting within, you know, thirty or forty yards of a gobbler and never having seen him? But I'm convinced that that happens a lot here in Pennsylvania. You know, we'll be in the woods and you'll hear a bird gobble, and you might like close the distance a little bit, and then you sit down and set up. Maybe the, that bird answers a couple times, and then he then he gets quiet. I, I think a lot of times those birds come in and they're they're checking things out, and they literally might be like just far enough that you can't see them, but you never see them. You know, they never see you, you never see them, and it's just like, it just doesn't happen. Um, it, it's just different with, with all the timber that we have. Um, you know, not that you guys don't up in the mountains there, but um, it's still I don't know. different, though. I, I totally agree. I mean, it's still, it's still different. What I found here is, again, going back to, I don't know, you know, truly if one bird's, you know, tougher than the other. I think, think you're spot on with the topography and things like that. I, I will say that like, you know, out here, because it's the area is so vast and in a lot of places, especially down here, so open, it, it is nothing for a Tom to, 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 to come for a very long ways 
to, to a hen call because those birds, those Marion birds are, are nomadic wanderers. You know, they're opportunistic feeders, but they, they're used to traveling long distances, you know, out in that country where to, to find a willing hen and that sort of thing. So, so you get a lot of those birds that will roam. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's something that, uh, you know, that just plays, it plays a part in the, in the difference between, between the two subspecies and, and, but yeah, I mean, gosh, dang, they now, are. Now, now I will say this, we do definitely have a higher hunter density out here. And there are a lot of people who get out there and do, an, do a lot of calling. So I do think that over the course of the season, um, our birds maybe do have a tendency to, to not be very vocal because I can't tell you how many times I mean there's a lot of days honestly Jace I'll go out here and I just can't even strike up a bird you know and, and again with the sure. the woods are thick enough here that you can't just I mean you know you 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 literally can't sneak up on a turkey in the woods you know what I mean sure. and yeah. and if you and if so if you're you know if you're kind of like skirting the edges of some woodlots where you know there are flocks of birds that generally live in that area and you think there's probably some turkeys around but you know you can't see anything out in the fields and nothing's responding to your calls it's like i don't really know where to start i mean you can just set up a blind and sit there for hours and put out a couple decoys exactly. and hope you know which is probably honestly that's that's probably the best method out here is to just play that patience waiting game. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're just out for a quick hunt, you know, you say, I'm going to go out for a couple hours before work or something and you can't strike up a bird. It's like, oh, OK, I guess try again tomorrow, you know, and eventually you right. find that if you find the right bird that wants to die, he'll die. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but but a lot of and most he'll days die, he'll die magnificently. <laughs> most days you don't. But uh, anyway, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Now, am I am I remembering right? Did, did you actually write a, a book about turkey hunting? I did. Um, you know, I I, I I just put it out there. It's called uh, <clears throat> Turkey Hunting Tales, Tips and Tactics: Your Guide to Spring Success. And you know, one of the things that that I've feel completely blessed to, you know, be able to do in this industry is, is I've, I've been fortunate like you, you know, I mean, to go to different places and hunt to do these things. And turkeys have always, turkeys and pronghorn, <laughs> I'm, I'm a weird guy, turkeys and pronghorn. They've always held a special place in my heart. And I kind of cut my bow hunting teeth, hunting those two, two animals. Um, when I first started bow hunting, that's, that's what I went after. I went after turkeys and pronghorn and, uh, so yeah, I actually actually wrote a book on it and um, just put it together from the perspective of a lot of tips and tactics that will save a guy a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of headaches. Um, you know, it's it's a book that's everything learned from the school of hard knocks and uh, you know from hunting public land to private land to you know hunting all four subspecies. You know, from the Osceola, the Eastern, the Miriam, and the Rio. And just kind of combining all that knowledge together into different different tips and tactics and, and things like that. I, I think I need to reread my chapter on Easterns again now when I when I when I come back <laughs> after hunting Georgia. But uh no, I was uh yeah, I was I I, I I really, really think um the book came out well. So <clears throat> where can I get my hands on a copy? Well, I will um 
I will send you one. But no, uh, no, 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 no. Where can no, no? I mean, where can where can I get my hands on it? Where can I put a couple pennies in Jace Jace Bowserman's pocketbook? Right. Well, I'll tell you what. All you got to do is go to Amazon and type in Jace Bowserman, and it'll bring up my two books. Um, there's an antelope book, and there's a uh, there's a turkey book. And the other way that anybody wants one, they can just send me a message on Facebook and. Uh, Send me, you know, I think it's like 10 bucks to my PayPal and I'll, I'll sign one and ship one out. So either way. Um, is that the, is that the is, best is way good. for people to connect with you, Jace, is on social media? Yeah, I love, that's one thing I love about, like anybody that, I know, that, that reaches out to me on Instagram or Facebook, asks a question, wants to know, I, I will always, always write them back and, you know, provide as much information as, as I possibly can. So and what, so what yeah. are your, what are your handles on Facebook and Instagram? Yeah. At Instagram, it's just at Jace underscore Bosserman and Facebook is just Jace Bosserman. So no fancy catchy names or anything like that. You, you've read my writing, you know, I'm not that talented. So it's not, it's not it's, like uh, the, the, the pronghorn <laughs> poke, the, the pr- the pronghorn poker five seven six. Change it today. Let's let's end with this. Let's do one more brief segment because we're at about forty five minutes. So all those other so great bad. topics that we actually said we might cover at the beginning, I think we're just going to let this be a turkey hunting episode. But you know, it's funny as you were talking about your turkey book, I looked over and I saw this little Tupperware container sitting on my desk because I had um, taken the breasts from my son's Jake and Mm -hmm. what I did when we got home is I first thing I did is I brined them overnight just in just in some salt water which I like to do uh and then and then yeah and then and then after I let them soak in that salt water for 24 hours I drained that and um I added in a bunch of brown sugar and a bunch of uh, crushed red pepper and garlic and um, a couple other herbs and spices. You can pretty much use whatever you would know that you would like. And I let those breasts marinate for another two days in the refrigerator. And then two nights ago, I threw them on my Traeger and I smoked these breasts at 180 degrees for uh, two hours. I did an hour at 180 with the good heavy smoke, and then I flipped them over on the grate and did another hour uh, at 180. And so they had been, you know, exposed to a good heavy smoke for about two hours. And then I cranked the Traeger up to 325, and I just finished them off. You always want your poultry to be 165 degrees internal, and Traeger makes it easy because there's a probe you can plug right into the grill. So after I did those first two hours at 180, I finished them at 325 until the, the center of the breast meat got to 165 degrees and took those off. And man, I'm telling you what, these are the best <laughs> turkey breasts that I have ever made. And I sliced 
a bunch of this down because I'm going to actually have, after we finish this interview, I'm going to go around the office here and share this with some folks. But man, smoking is one of my favorite ways to, to make my wild turkey uh, meat. And I figured since I was going to share that little story, maybe you'd have a few tips of your own as to what you like to do with your turkeys. Absolutely. I mean, for me, it's one of my favorite game meats to eat. I love, I love wild turkey. turkey yeah, you know why? Um, you know why, Jace? Because they're made out of they're made out of turkey. That's correct. A <laughs> 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 turkey's great, and it really doesn't taste. I mean, it really doesn't taste in all all that much different, if any. You know, from the stuff you no, get at the store. Any. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. So anyway, yeah, I, I interrupted you. So what do you like to do? No, no. What we did actually it was a funny. The day I dro- the next day I drove back from Danny's, I just had those birds, um, my birds, breasts in a, a big Ziploc with ice, salt, same thing as you, um, just to just to help pull that blood out and and everything. And we got home and um, my wife came outside and she was helping me unload and she's like, "Oh, what are we going to do for dinner tonight?" You know, you know how that is around the house with here with three kids and. Every day, everything else. Every, every day, every day, and it's like, what, what are we going to do for dinner? And I said, here, do you want to cook turkey? And she's like, oh yeah, great. So her way of doing it, because I I cannot cook. You and Gary Cornum are masters at the Traeger Grill, but I am not. So what she did, what she does is she comes in and she cubes them. She cuts them up into like nuggets, the size you'd find at like Chick Fil A or something like that. And then we use a, a spicy fish fry Cajun batter. Um, and we just roll those nuggets in that batter and get them, get them nice and covered in that, in that kind of, it's kind of a tangy Cajun mix. And then we just, we, we fry them. And I mean, when they come out, oh my gosh, they're moist, they're tender, they're juicy. The kids eat them with ranch dressing. I don't, I just eat them, you know, just with nothing because I really like that, that flavor. But uh, that's the great thing about it. I mean, you can, there's so many different ways you can prepare it, but that's probably my that's probably my favorite way is just fried turkey nuggets. Super good. They're hard to beat. We've definitely done that many times in our house too. And one thing I will recommend on that, and I, your your wife may do this, but I am a big fan of putting those um, before you cut them up and bread them. Um, put the breast inside like a gallon Ziploc bag and get your meat mallet. I'd like to just pound, pound those breasts a little bit. Um, it really tenderizes them nice. And it also nice. thins, it thins it out a little bit too. So that, you know, when you're frying yeah. them up, it you don't have like those thicker pieces that take a little longer, or you know, don't get uh, cooked as quickly in the middle. But I'm a big, big fan of, of, uh, yeah, just kind of pounding those with the meat mallet. And, uh, anyway, just a, just a little a little nuance there for people who want to maximize the quality of their their poultry protein. I love it, and we don't do that, so that is a good that is a good tip that uh, that I'm going to. That's it, Bowserman. Next time, beat your meat a little bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, and I'm going to tell her. I'm going to tell her in this way. I'm going to say, you know, honey, I was bragging about your cooking, and then Christian said you're doing it all wrong. <laughs> so my invitation my invitation yeah my invitation to, to the bowserman abode is is hereby right, rescinded so when you come to antelope hunting she's gonna be like so you're christian huh i've heard so much about you 
<laughs> She's like, yeah, you're going to sleep in the garage and eat dog food this week. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh, my goodness. No, well, but- listen, I'll tell you what. This was this was honestly um, not that I didn't have high expectations, but this was a great <laughs> episode. I mean, we had some good stories. Um a lot of practical information, and I'll tell you what, you've got me excited about turkey hunting. I am going to be turning around here in a couple of weeks and heading back over to Ohio without my son so that I can, excuse me, try and get a couple of Buckeye birds for myself, and I have one of those Primo surround view blinds, and, and I've got a couple brand new AVNX decoys that they just sent me, and I, I cannot wait. I, I already scouted out a couple really good spots for blinds when we were out there this past weekend that I can't wait to get out there uh, on some nice sunny days with no snow on the ground, get in there before the sunrise with those decoys out in front of me, settle into my chair with my with my bow in front of me and a good book in my hand and just play that waiting game. And so I get my chance at one of those uh, birds maybe to rival your your behemoth. Well, you, you, you most certainly will, and you'll have, a, you'll have a blast. But, yeah, man, I totally agree. Time, time flew by fast, and we did. We said, well, we're going to talk about this, this, and this. And we talked about turkeys. But, yeah, I think it went great. I think it was informative and, and – uh, it's always, always fun to talk turkey, man, especially this time of year. Um, that's where kind of where my, where my head's at is, is, uh, is turkey. So. Absolutely. And so with this, I will close it with this, Mr. Bowserman, a very happy Easter to you and yours. Um, today is actually good Friday. Um, and we have a, we have a saying, uh, you know, that I know that you have probably heard and that's, uh, you know, it may look, it may look dark on Friday, but Sunday is coming, brother. Sunday is coming. That's that's right. This is a very special Sunday. So, uh, I'm, we're definitely looking forward to it here at the Bajerman household and having sunrise service and all that type type of stuff. It's just going to be me and the kids because mama's got to. She's a nurse, and she's got to she's got to do her duty that day at the hospital. But uh, me and the kids will be out, uh, yeah, just enjoying sunrise service and and having a great day. Well, good. Well, blessings to you, my friend. And I tell you what, we didn't get to those other things today, but that just means we've got a good excuse to get back together in the very near future and uh, talk about some some backcountry bow hunting, talk about some uh, antelope out on the prairie, maybe some some uh, fitness type stuff. And, and I'm looking forward to all those things. Oh, me too. I'd love, I'd love to talk about all that stuff. All right, man. Well, again, God bless and uh, keep in touch. Thank you for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bowhunting on your local newsstand or check us out on the web at bowhuntingmag.com.